0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We are in the home stretch of the offseason now. We're so close to that first NFL Sunday kickoff when the Chargers will play the washington football team at fedex field it's so close i can taste it first we got to go through training camp in the preseason and to go through those two things you got to be looking your best you know steven and tyler will be at training camp and they can't go there looking like schlubs right steven's gotta you know trim his beard a little bit using that manscaped lawnmower 4.0 and tyler well he's got to shave all that peach fuzz off his face he's more in my situation But regardless of your facial hair length or whatever situation you're in, whether you're playing football or at a job, in school, you want to use Manscaped to look your best no matter the situation. Just like the grass that gets cut right before that first NFL Sunday, you want to feel fresh too. So you can go to manscaped.com and use code GUILTY for your first uh, purchase at checkout. You can buy whatever you want, whether you have a beard or not. They got tons of stuff for everybody, whether it's the boxer briefs, whether it's the gels and everything they have. Just go to Manscaped and use the promo code GUILTY for 20% off your first purchase. Here's the show.
2: Hey, what is up everybody? Welcome into the Guilty as Charge podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am so excited for this episode. Like I always say, you know, it's kind of a cliche at this point, but it is what it is. I'm excited to talk football with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, Someone who has been to all six training camp practices or all seven by now. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun at Chargers camp. (laughs)
2: Definitely been a fun experience. Uh, just excited that football is back, man. I can't believe we have the Hall of Fame game coming at, coming up, I think, tomorrow. Um, so, you know, football is back. My alma mater, University of Utah, had their first day of fall camp today. So uh, football is in full swing. Very excited about that. Tyler is joining us, as always. Tyler, how are you doing today, man?
3: I'm doing very well. Happy to see football is back. I'm curious what the over-under is on N-words used on the uh, Hall of Fame game, but we'll see. Oh. mason rudolph is starting just for anybody who's <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm not it's a really great joke when
4: you have to explain it.
2: <laughs> good stuff man good stuff yeah um that's gonna be an entertaining one um i, I have to say i do have I, I do really hate that the cowboys got hard knocks and the hall of fame game and they get the first the season opener against the tempe bay buccaneers so Uh, you know, as if the Cowboys needed more publicity, you know, they have the the three biggest things of the preseason. So, uh, shout out to them. Um, so we're going to talk about some training camp takeaways, uh, before we get started, uh, Tyler and Alex both did, uh, separate videos on our YouTube channel of takeaways from the previous two days. Um, so definitely go and check those out. Um, Arjun did just release a, uh, an interview with Brad, uh, Spielberg, Spielberger, I think his name is uh pff brad who is the salary cap guru for them so uh definitely go check all of those out and as always make sure to subscribe to our youtube channel leave us a rating and review we always appreciate the interaction so um let's get started today I, I think one of the you know obviously the mike williams kind of stuff it was was talked about at nauseum on twitter so we're not going to talk about that um but tyron johnson and uh jaylen Guyon were absent from practice today which I think is notable right because that gave some opportunities to some uh, for some other receivers to kind of step up. Obviously, we weren't at practice today, but Tyler, you were at practice on Monday and you got to see mm-hmm. Austin Prol get some more action and I think that is has kind of been one of the bigger storylines. So, me and you were kind of saying on Saturday we didn't we hadn't really see much from Prol as a receiver. I
4: right. did
2: a roster prediction and left Prohl off and said until we see more as a receiver. You know we can't really say with confidence that he's going to make the roster, and then of course, literally the next day we, we see more of him as a receiver. So, um, what did you see from prol? Um, you know, in, in person, how did he look? And do you think he's gonna be the kind of guy to take advantage of uh Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton's absence?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was a he, prol was a guy that I thought maybe had a shot to make the roster, could surprise you during camp, sure. And I figured like being a returner was just kind of a bonus to his role. I didn't expect him to just outright be the kick returner one and punt returner one right out of the gate, especially with yeah. Joe Reed and, and KJ Hill right there. But you know, some some people were hyping him up as a returner very early on in camp as early as the first day where he dropped multiple punts. I'm not really sure where that came from, but he still held on to that role because everybody else dropped punts. But then, you know, how much can you do in this offense? And, you know, no one expected him to be anything more than at best the wide receiver six. He's always going to be a, a second team kind of guy. But I was surprised to see in the padded practice how often they were targeting him with a purpose. It wasn't just like, you know, he happened to get open on the, the route concept and he was like the fourth read in the progression or whatever. And they got the ball to him. And then there were some cases like that. But there were other times where they would target him immediately on a screen. Um, I wouldn't say a swing. I don't know if it's like a bu- I think it was a bubble screen or something like that. Wide uh, wide receiver screen. anyway? They were targeting with purpose, and they wanted to get him involved in space and let him be really shifty in space, and that was right. surprising to me. That means that they are – and I, I don't know how often the other receivers are doing that, but it was it was telling to me to see him with Chase Daniel just be targeted so frequently with intention immediately as soon as the ball was snapped, quick passes right to him, which shows me that they're trying to find some sort of role for him on offense as well. And, you know, again, I thought that was like a Joe Reed thing. And if you want to give a guy quick passes, Joe Reed. Now, he, he hasn't taken any handoffs right. or anything. But it seems like that's kind of like if they're finding a guy who can do gadget stuff and return, it looks like it's pro right now. So, you know, I currently have him making the roster and I don't see why he wouldn't at this point unless he loses his return jobs. But he's not. He is outright the kick return to one and punt return to one.
2: Yeah, our poor guy, Joe Reed, not only potentially losing his job, he also shrunk three inches. uh, (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) Um, Alex, what do you make of Austin Prohl's kind of emergence, if you will, that we've been hearing about and, and seeing, of course?
1: Yeah, I mean, when we did that roster predictions video, I think I did predict Joe Reed to be wide receiver six, but i'm kind of throwing that prediction out uh i I do think austin cole is is pretty clearly wide receiver six uh and and kind of the first you know special teams guy that really pops off the page uh, at least when it comes to returning of course so to me i i don't think there's much debate and he's been pretty solid in campers you know catching from herbert catching from daniel um he's shown a little bit of versatility there and like Tyler said, I just think there's something to him where uh, he does get a little bit more of that quick offense, a little bit more of that kind of jump to his game that just, I mean, Hill is a good slot receiver. He's all right. But like, I just don't think he provides that same energy. And Joe Reed, to this point in his career, I think we've seen it in the run game, but we still just never have seen that really in the passing game from him. unfortunately and that was partially just due to you know availability last year and how much he was actually involved in the passing offense so um i i think joe reed is kind of on the team Uh, or sorry not joe reed uh i think uh, austin pearl is is pretty clearly on the team Uh, i don't think there's really much debating it of course a lot can change in the course of one preseason and we've only seen a week of practices but uh Right. I did not take the notion of Austin Prohl seriously, you know, when we made those roster predictions, but I think he's shown you uh, both with his special team skills and, and what he can do on the offense that he should be taken very, very seriously.
2: Yeah. I think when we were kind of making that prediction article,
1: the thing that was
2: kind of difficult is that, you know, you see like the short area quickness plan with Joe Rena as a receiver. Mm-hmm. You see the route running with KJ Hill you see, you know, the kick return ability potential with Joe Reed. And then, you know, KJ Hill is a solid punt returner because he's got great hands, great instincts. And it, it, it just felt like they needed someone to be the combination of the two of them. And mm-hmm. so if that's Austin Pro, man, like, I think that's great. Um Obviously, like Alex was saying, a lot can change. Right. And, you know, with these injuries to Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, um, you know, who knows who kind of is able to step up. Um, Brandon Staley said that neither of those injuries are are serious. And he expects both of them right. back to be to be back at practice, you know, this week. And the Chargers do have, you know, three padded practice opportunities this week, which are huge. Um, but I want to talk about Jalen Guyton, because yeah, one of the things that we've kind of talked about and, and the, the Chargers coaching staff has talked about, Is kind of the multiplicity, the flexibility that they like to have. And, you know, Darius Swinton had a great quote. Um, I'm going to, you know, kind of butcher it. But essentially, he was saying that, like, he likes to help players become well-rounded players. He doesn't believe in, oh, I'm just X specialist. I'm just whatever. I can't do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I, I think that shows in kind of their approach. And, you know, the Saints were kind of that same way in terms of offensive, you know, skill positions. They really never believed in having just one person who all they do is run really straight and they run really fast. And so, you know, even someone like Ted Ginn, they would involve in the screen game, involved in yards after catch potential. And that's not really Jalen Guyon. Like Jalen Guyton is a burner. He's very fast but he doesn't offer kind of the well-rounded package, you know, mm-hmm. as a player, the well-rounded skill set that Tyron Johnson and Josh Palmer that we're seeing from them. And now with Austin Proles emergence. So do we think Alex, we'll start with you. Do you think that Jalen Guyton is still safe? Or do you think that maybe this could be kind of a way for Joe Reed to, to step in? Like if Joe Reed plays really great in the, in the preseason games, is Jalen Guyton kind of the one that's going to be cut instead of, it being Reed versus Prol, is there
1: a world where it becomes Reed versus Guyton? No, uh, I, I don't think so. I think Guyton, the furthest I would drop him is like wide receiver five. Like, I, th- I think that's really the furthest he can fall. Um, I, I don't see Prol leaping him. I think the way that Prol kind of makes this roster again is on the back end of that receiving group. And as one-dimensional as Jalen Guyton might be, it is a pretty important dimension to be yeah. able to just run really fast and go really straight. Um, you know, I, the drops are obviously a problem. Uh, and you know, he, he does kind of have to still work on that, but I, I do still think he's kind of essential to this team. Now, what his role ends up being, I'm not exactly sure. I do think Tyron Johnson based on these first couple days and, and how the coaching staff use their receivers has pretty clearly leaped him. Um, But, you know, I I do think that the coaching staff, as much as we talk about like multiplicity and they do like that, Joe Lombardi also had guys in New Orleans that were like, okay, we're going to run what you're comfortable with. Right. Robert Meacham was not the most, you know, varied receiver. Right. In in terms of what he could do. But like they were like, all right, just do what you do. Right. So I do think that is not that I'm saying it's necessarily comparable to Jalen Guyton. There are different situations. Um, but in terms of what they do, uh, they, they are a little bit more one dimensional than say, you know, Keenan Allen or, you know, some of these other guys that we talk about like Tyron Johnson and the potential that he has. So, um, I still think I'd makes the team read. I mean, I just need to see more from Reed for him to really be able to push that far up. And it, it seems like it's really Reed versus parole for that, uh, for that last ride receiver spot for the special teams
3: and all that. So, uh, Yeah. Interesting. I didn't really think of it. I mean, I obviously, going into the season to not think of it as Guyton versus Reed. You know, it was always Reed versus the other wide receiver six or whoever else. Right. But, I mean, who would you rather have on the roster at that point? Like, I, I don't know. Like, again, my expectations and my thought process about what Joe Reed is, that is, I would probably keep on the roster over Guyton, I would think. But it's not been that way. Guyton's taken more first-team reps than, than Tyron right. Johnson. Whereas Joe Reed can barely, you know, scratch anything in this offense right now, but you know, who would I keep? They're going to keep Guyton, but I am interested in seeing what they do when the plays, the play calls, and the concepts start to get a little bit more advanced, a little bit more complex. Yeah. Not that either Reed or you know um, or Guyton are doing anything all that advanced, but I'm curious who the guy is going to be who possibly takes on the Debo Samuel run game, jet sweep, whatever dimension of the 49ers run game that they're possibly going to emulate. Because Guyton, look, he took two handoffs last year and we and <laughs> took five. So it's not like there's a big gap, right. you know, no one has a clear lead. But, right. you know, I'd actually be curious to see who kind of, because those two guys are kind of your burners, I guess. Like Mike Williams is a 4-5, I think. I think Palmer was like a 4-5 guy. Guyton's a four-three-nine, I think. So, you know, between those two guys, who is more of your gadget guy at this point in the offense, um, if not Prole? So I'd be curious to see how it goes down to, but I, I'm pretty sure Guyton's sticking around. Yeah,
2: I, I'm not saying that I expect him to be cut by you know any means. just to be clear, I just mm-hmm. am kind of looking at it as you know maybe they look at this emergence of Tyron Johnson a- and look at maybe him and Jalen Guyton kind of being a little redundant because I don't think you lose any speed when you're going from Guyton to Joe Reed. I think Guyton was a four three nine and Reed was like a four four two, so it's not like a significant speed, you know, decrease. I'm just kind of thinking like, you know, they've been talking about all these, you know, options that they like to have and, and all the flexibility. And so in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe that is a way for Reed to kind of stick on the roster. Of course he would have to play well and earn his spot. Right. But you know, like if I'm looking at Joe Reed playing really well and Jalen Guyton playing well, like I could maybe see a world in which they choose Joe Reed. And of course, there's also the draft capital, you know, Joe Reed was just drafted and Jalen Guyton was an untracted free agent. So just was kind of uh
1: spitballing an idea there. Right now, I, I can see what you're saying now on the speed thing. I will push back a little bit because Jalen Guyton ran a 435 and okay. you know, Joe, a Joe Reed was closer to a 447 and a 45 when he ran All right. Um mm, my so, mistake. you know. Uh, I, not, not, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Like I see what you're saying, but I do think there is kind of a speed element there. And then, then again, like what we talked about with Joe Reed coming out of college was, okay, you know, but he's a better route runner than somebody like Jalen Guyton. Right. Um, But you know, the, the coaching staff has commented a bunch of times, like he doesn't know where to line up when he runs routes. So I, you know, I don't know how that factors yeah. in and he couldn't jump into the offense last year. Right. So, um, I I see what you're saying, and I definitely think Reed can still compete for this roster just due to the offensive skills that he has. But, you know, to me, I I do still think he's really competing for that last wide receiver spot as opposed to really ascending. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the other roster
2: conversation that I wanted to have today is with the edge rushers because I think there's been some significant buzz about you know several players um kyler fackrell having a larger role which we talked about last time mm-hmm. um chris rumpf had a really good day today and he made some plays on saturday when we were there at practice um and K. egbele has been making some plays as well so i think if i'm not mistaken initially all three of us had just the four edge rushers mm-hmm. making the roster um maybe we had egbele as listed as a linebacker or something like that but uh, if I remember correctly, and you guys can obviously correct me, I think we just had you know both. I think we had him
3: making the roster.
2: Oh, we did okay, so I wasn't yeah. sure about that one, but um, has anything changed? I guess is my question in terms of the pecking order because I, I think mm-hmm. the top three is safe, right? But yeah, you know, do you think that Egg Bolle could kind of carve out a more significant role this year? Obviously, he didn't really have much of a role last year at all, but um, <laughs> I guess my question is, how are you? viewing the Chris Rumpf versus M. K. Egule position battle for edge rusher four, uh, Alex, we'll start with you on this one.
1: Uh, I haven't been at camp. So like, I, I haven't really seen kind of what their reps are like from, from Ooh. down to down. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <Cop out. laughs> well, it's sort hard of as a comment. Um, I, I think that when we did that roster episode, I think I had Egule as a kind of linebacker spot. And then, mm. you know, you sort of really put him at edge. Um, but but then you guys convinced me and we're like, oh, well, they need depth at these positions. And then I took Agbile out. So
4: (laughs) I think that's how we,
1: I think that's how we ended that episode. So we had the right point and then we talked ourselves out of it. Like we usually do. Uh, so (laughs) I would say Agbile, I think Agbile can carve out a role for himself. Um, you know, I think pretty clearly the top two rushers are still Bosa and, uh, and Wosu. And then, you know, Fackrell, I do think will have a large role. And then I, you know, so that's Fackrell is probably kind of like the tier two. And then I think the tier three guys can be Rump and uh, Egg Belay, you know, if you kind of want to break it down like that. So, you know, uh, I'm not going to like predict he's going to be a breakout player or anything, uh, just because we've probably already done that with too many guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to go there, but I think he could be a solid contributor when called upon.
3: Yeah, I think we discussed whether he could be a breakout player or not because somebody asked us and like, not really, like it would take a lot of right. you know dead chargers in front of him for him to really step onto the field and have significant snaps. But, you know, they need they need to evaluate him because either A, both or one of, Nwosu and, and Fackrell are gone and they're going to need someone to take their spots. Or two, they're going to keep a guy like Nwosu around who does have a health history issue and if you keep him around you want to know that the guys behind him are also kind of you know, you know, decent at least. So Eggboulet definitely needs to get a shot. I hope he does well in the preseason. Uh, I had, I'm pretty sure we had him sticking around. I had him sticking around. He's sticking around in my current roster prediction. So yeah, I think he sticks around and his role on special teams is going to help with that, of course. But I, 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 as far as breaking out, like not, not really, like I don't see much from him. As far as Eggboulet versus Rumpf, it seems like they're kind of letting the veterans kind of go first, see what's up. Um, and then kind of slowly bringing on the uh, the rookies. Rumpf, I'm, I'm not gonna say he hasn't stood out, but I don't think anyone's had like he hasn't been the rookie that or rookies that the people have been raving about so far. But I think come preseason that'll change. And I at some point, I, I think Rumpf's athleticism and just his natural stuff is going to outshine Egboulet, but I still think they're gonna keep five guys. I, I don't think either is in jar is in danger of losing their spot. I just think it's whoever starts starts as the backup.
2: Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some other members of the rookie class in a second. But, um, you know, I think Daniel Popper pointed out yesterday, I believe, that, you know, both Egbele and Rumpf are going to be kind of core special teams players, which Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, adds to their value in terms of making the roster. And, you know, like Tyler or like Alex said, they do need depth, like with, I guess Tyler kind of mentioned it too, right? Because you have Bosa and Umosu both have health, a history of health issues, and so you need that depth. Right. And so I think Egbele is in kind of that um, position where Unwosu was after his rookie season, where, you know, you kind of didn't know if he was a linebacker or an edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gus Bradley's you know, and, and his staff really didn't know how to use him. And, you know, he is a versatile player, but, you know, sometimes versatility can can be, you know, that double edged sword where it's like, OK, we don't really know what he is, though. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he's going to be a full-time edge rusher in this defense. I think his, his background as a linebacker can absolutely help him, you know, in in coverage situations, which we know the edge rushers are going to be doing in this offense. Um, so I, I do expect Aguilet to make the roster as well. Um, so the other thing that happened was that KJ Costello, the quarterback out of Stanford and Mississippi State, did sign with the Chargers. Um, Alex did write an article for Bolt Beat about that. So obviously go check that out. Um, but I guess, you know, we want to talk about him versus Easton stick, maybe potentially keeping just the two quarterbacks, which again, Alex did, did point out as well. Mm -hmm. So Tyler and the coaching staff to be clear, like they are saying all the right things like they're, they are saying that they like Easton stick, but this is a legitimate quarterback competition. Um, where does KJ Costello fit in for you? And where does Easton Stick fit in on the roster? Because I think we had the three quarterbacks making the roster back then. Um, So kind of update us on your predictions now and how KJ Costello could potentially change that.
3: Yeah, I was not in favor of Easton Stick making the roster. I get it. And honestly, maybe it would be back then, at least you could probably predict they didn't make the roster, but I'm against it. Like I, I don't want... That extra quarterback the team's screwed either way if we're getting a qb3 i really don't care put me there out, out there at a quarterback they're still gonna <laughs> win as many games probably yeah. but um as far as kj Costello goes i was able to watch him a little bit because i was watching kylan hill and i was kind of impressed by how he got the back involved in the passing game um, But that, that's kind of like the breadth of my knowledge on him but i will say and again this is kind of stupid but it feels like a very old-school approach the dude just it looks like a quarterback like he stepped onto the field And I'm going, who is that? Like, this guy walks out with the rest (laughs) of the quarterbacks. I'm like, oh, that's a dude. And to be completely honest, if you're going to be developing a guy on the practice squad in the hopes of, you know, maybe trading him one day, you're taking a guy who's a physically imposing 6'5, 220, or whatever he is, that is young and kind of unknown um, with some tantalizing traits, you know, making him work in the preseason. I think that's the route to go. I don't think Stick or Costello make the roster anyway. Um, but if I'm going to keep a guy, I kind of go with the more interesting looking Costello, if you will, because I just think there's something there that I think another team could possibly bite on, a stick is either, you know, damaged goods or known goods that aren't that good anyway. So I, I'm in favor of keeping Costello as the practice squad QB3.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with whatever quarterback they choose to be, QB3 slash practice squad. Um, I, th- I think it has to be practice squad at this point, frankly, just because I think yeah. Herbert and Daniel have proven themselves to be you know, above everybody else. I mean, Herbert is QB1. I think Daniel has really pulled away from the pack. Like, I, I don't think it's particularly yeah. close at this point. Um, Costello is interesting just because I think, you know, he did throw 43 touchdowns and 15 interceptions in his first two years. Like it was a solid quarterback. Yeah, he was good um, at Stanford. He was really good. And then the injuries happened, unfortunately, in 2019 and then in 2020, you know, while COVID is going on, he's going to a new school with a new coach and the completely different Mike Leach offense than he was used to. And unfortunately he threw six touchdowns and uh, 10 interceptions prior to, prior to getting benched. Um, and so, you know, I, I got a lot of stick fans being like, oh, well, he threw six touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So that means he's bad at football because, you know, we'd all go to pro sports reference and then just pick <laughs> out the stats. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's an interesting prospect just because if you can get back what his form was, you know, those first two years at Stanford, you know, that's an interesting developmental guy, uh, is a little bit older now, right? Like that's kind of the only thing, you know, I don't know if he's really going to like grow in some significant area. But interesting one to keep around. Uh, I don't really favor one between Stick and Costello. I can definitely see where Tyler's, you know, talking about which one has the more interesting attributes. Um, I, I do think that's probably Costello. But could you make the argument that, you know, Stick has been on, you know, an NFL team for the last two years? Like, yeah, I, I think that's helped him a little bit too. Yeah. Um, Again, we're talking about QB three and the practice squad, and I'm just so exhausted of this whole conversation <laughs> when we should be talking about Herbert or Daniel. Um, you know, so I'm a little bit of a broken, you know, record at this point, but I'm fine with either of them getting the practice squad spot as long as yeah. it's not QB three on the active roster.
3: Come on, the drumming
1: yeah. the drumming signing wasn't that bad, man. <laughs> no,
2: no, 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 no. Oh, man, I love it. That's so funny. Um, I saw that they had, like, this video of the two of them, like, hugging, and it was, like, that side hug where, like, you hate the person.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Bede gave him the opposite of sex eyes, if you if you've seen that clip. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, the polar opposite. Yeah, it, w- it was funny, though. But I
2: do agree that, uh, you know, I don't have a preference, right? I, I think that Stick and Costello are, are, frankly, they're two different quarterbacks. Like, I, I think yeah. Costello has some intriguing traits and i think he probably is a little more um further along in his mental capacity of the game like i think you know watching some of his film this past week and i can totally see why this coaching staff is you know interested in him right he makes smart decisions he's tough in the pocket he's flexible in the pocket he's not the best athlete he doesn't have the bet the strongest arm but he makes it work throws with anticipation reads defense as well So I I can totally see why they like him. I can also really see why they like Easton Stick, which Brandon Staley did say in his press conference today. Um, You know, he's a great athlete at the position. He's very mobile, has a strong arm. Um, It's just the mental side of things. Like when you watch Chase Daniel out there versus Easton Mm -hmm. Stick, like Daniel is just so much more comfortable back there. He reads the defense, reads the progressions, and he knows where he's going. And you can always tell that Easton Stick is like half second late and that's not his fault like you know he didn't have a preseason last year he didn't get any reps and so like this is important time for him to get these reps and get this development but you know it's just kind of unfortunate for him that he doesn't really have what he has needed in terms of those repetitions so I don't really care who they keep you know I know a lot of people are going to say you guys hate Easton Stick but I don't really care like I, I just want whoever they keep to be on the practice squad because I want that extra roster spot for, you know, a player that's going to make a difference. Like we, we talked on Saturday about Steven Anderson. And of course we, we interviewed him. And so we might be a little partial, you know, partial towards him, but I would rather have that fourth tight end who can play like an H back role and and give me some blocking, give me some special teams or have that, you know, six linebacker or six safety or six corner or whatever, you know, they decide to do with that extra spot. But I want that extra spot and that really is the only thing i i don't see any reason to keep stick or
1: costello on the active roster because it just it, it wastes a spot i will say one of the things this coaching staff did that i'm looking back in retrospect i'm not particularly fond of was framing this as a stick versus daniel competition. Because I think we're just at the point where that was really never the case. I mean, Daniel is a guy that's played in, you know, up to 70 NFL games, and Stick hasn't played a football game in two years, right? Like, it was drafted two years ago. So, you know, I think framing it in that context was always a bit unfair to Stick, um, just because, you know, he could be still QB3 or a practice squad guy, So I think that, you know, now that we're establishing that Daniel is pretty clearly the QB2, maybe reframing it into this stick Costello context makes it a little bit more interesting and something we can actually kind of get something out of, right, in terms of who's going to be the QB3 if they decide to go that route or who's going to be kind of the practice squad representative.
3: Yeah, I guess we'll see you in the preseason. At, at this point, just get rid of all the stick stands on Twitter, and I'm happy. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you really hate them.
2: Oh, God, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I'm about the team and what's best for the team. I'm. Not, I don't really, you know. I would never stand for a player. Like, I don't know. That just seems a little weird to me. I. I want the team to do well. I don't. Why would I care? Why do I care about the third quarterback on the roster? Like, just let the team win. I hope um, a player from Utah joins the Chargers and you have to back that up one day. <laughs> hey, Sam Tebby was on the team, man, and I was never like, Sam Tebby has to be a starter. Like true, know, so
3: true. You you've been kind to him, but you haven't stand him. That's that's true. You're right.
1: Can you imagine if Matt Gay was in this kicker battle? I mean, it would that be is really that crazy. is the one thing. That is the
2: one. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but you know, should we talk about the kickers again or are we good? No. I love the kicker turf. I don't think
1: we it's really pretty seen close.
3: It, yeah. Let me see in the preseason.
1: I saw Kessman make five field goals today and he made like two <laughs> yards. So Kessman gang rise up. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I think, <laughs> uh,
2: I think Daniel Popper said that Kessman and Vescaino are each like nine for 10 yeah. Yeah. on field goals so far. And then Badgley is like 10 for 12. So Badgley going to get every chance to prove that he needs, that he can stay on this roster. But um, I I do expect it
1: to be someone else. Um, I saw Badgley. Right. I saw Badgley made a 41 yarder today, so we're increasing
3: that distance one yard at a time. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. from that 40 yard range, and you know what, Alex, I think 10 for 12 is above 82 and percent. So I, I'm going to win that money based on the preseason so far. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's not making the team.
3: <laughs> well, you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> you win something you lose. <laughs> all
2: right, well, let's talk about one of the, the you know more exciting topics. I think, in my opinion. And that is the emergence of this rookie class so far in training camp. Um, Tyler, of course, did a, a wonderful video and, and talked about some of those players after Monday's class, but or Monday's video, excuse me. But each time, each practice, we're hearing more yeah. and more about this rookie class. And I know everybody was very worried about, like, well, where's the Sunday Samuel Jr.? Where's the Sunday Samuel Jr.? He's there now. Like he <laughs> is getting reps with the ones. He had some great plays apparently today and on Monday. Um, so it's been a really good week for him. Mark Webb continues to make plays in practice Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, of course we've talked about Josh Palmer and then Rashawn Slater, you know, my guy that I got to talk about. I think I might have to adjust my expectations, man. Like I I think we might be looking at, you know, a potential Tristan Wirfs type impact. Like I, I was expecting, you know, most of these players to kind of ease into things and, you know, there'd be an adjustment period, a learning period. But all of this rookie class, really outside of like Larry Roundtree and Nick Neiman, we've all heard we've heard a bunch of buzz about all of them. So there's you know, that is very significant. They need multiple of these players to really come in and make impacts. Um, And I love that we are hearing about Rashawn Slater dominating one on ones and Josh Palmer scoring red zone touchdowns. And, you know, and and Asante Samuel Jr. getting a red zone interception, getting pass breakups. Mark Webb has an interception, a pick six. So, I mean, Tyler, you were there on Monday. What are you seeing from these rookies overall? And have your expectations changed for any of them?
3: I have my expectations changed for any of them? Not v- Mark Webb. Yes. I will say like Slater, like he is my OT too. I think he'd be pretty good left tackle. We all love the like Samuel Jr. Not a huge surprise. I didn't know much about Josh Palmer, but he seems to be pretty as advertised. Although he's like doing everything really well right now, which is, yeah. i wouldn't say a surprise but the fact that he's standing out so much is is pretty cool but mark webb man like i did not expect him to come in and just like he uh, he might be the best rookie performer right now like i don't think he'll have as big of an impact but like it seems like every single day he's been multiple pass breakups interceptions doing exactly what he needs to and that does make me feel so much better about yeah. the the safety group and granted it's practice it ain't a real game it's not against you know you're going against these same guys all the time but for him to pick it up so quickly makes me feel really good and as far as the class goes you know one of the things i loved about the class in general was most of these guys are former you know three-star recruits and again these guys are still amazing in the country they're not like three-star recruits a bad thing but all these guys went from being you know generally a three-star recruit to being drafted in the nfl and that tells me something that like you know, wherever you come from, and maybe not like the, the highest ranking, but they worked their way to overachieve, if you will, based on their ranking. And so for them to all enter camp, and as soon as the pads come on, like the one thing you can't measure watching the tape is the, is the character of these players and, and the fortitude and, and the learning and everything like that. And to see that all these guys basically shown up to camp. I mean, Rashawn Slater, like, yeah, he lost one rep to Nwosu in the run game. But like I said, as soon as that play was over, they go to the next pass rep. And he wins that against Inmosu. And then I don't remember if there was actually a whistle or not, but basically through the whistle, he just turns and just shoves Inmosu as hard <laughs> as he possibly can to give him so some much. attitude. And I just love that. You know, it's not like Sama Jr. Always had the boxy, but he's bringing that to the team, you know, it's just, it's such a confident class. And for them to all walk, not all, but like most of them have walked in it and performed pretty well so far. It's actually kind of shocking to be honest. Like I liked the class. I think I gave it an A minus overall. Um, it's kind of not surprising that Roundtree and McKitty are the least talked about right now in terms of positivity. I think Neiman was slightly behind, but he did have a sack, I believe today. Yeah. Um, but the class overall is looking pretty good. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. I can't wait to see them play other opponents.
1: Yeah. I've been really excited about the class and Josh Palmer has to kind of be my favorite out of the group right now. Like mm-hmm. I think that he, yeah. you know, I expected him to be good and I liked the pick at the time. Uh, more so sure. than some people on Twitter, but, you know, he, he's really just like flashed that, I just said I won't talk about route running, but he's really flashed <laughs> that route running ability. Uh, he's yeah. got a lot do of, they do they do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the receivers do that. Um, but yeah, so I really like what I've seen from Josh Palmer and I think he's going to be, you know, I think Tyron is kind of the wide receiver three this year still. But yeah. I think he's going to be pushing him, you know, especially if some team offers Tyron a bunch of money next year, right? Mm-hmm. And he leaves potentially in that restricted free agency kind of thing, then you could have Josh Palmer really as your wide receiver three and I, or wide receiver two, right? Depending depending on what happens with Mike Williams. So uh, I, I think that his stock is is way up. Uh, Rashawn Slater, of course, being dominant, not exactly a surprise, but I didn't expect him to be as dominant as he was with the pads. So, of course, like Steven said, you know, going four for four is going four for four. Like that was a yeah. uh, really great, you know, display by him. Asante really cracking that uh, first team lineup. You know, there was a little bit of concern with Faceon, but then you know, Faceon got burnt quite a few times by Tyron Johnson, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like that discussion might be starting to be in the past. But again, we'll see how that develops. Uh, but yeah, really, I mean, really, everyone except, I mean, McKitty, but his game is not really like a, you know, super sexy game to watch. Anyway, right? right? It, it, it's a bit more of like a gritty blocking game, right? Uh, and then, you know, uh, obviously, Heims is not really uh, is really, is he in the scrimmages at all? Was was he there? I don't know. So but, Popper, Popper, and a bunch of others have said that he's. Uh,
2: mostly in the third team in terms okay. of offensive line and then occasionally yeah. rotates in with the second team like there was uh I believe on Monday or maybe it was yesterday Corey Lindsay like took a couple of plays off and so Questenberry mm. went up to the first team and then Hymas went up to the second team so um I mean he's gonna have to earn it like that's that's another I'm... one that I should have mentioned like there there hasn't been much about Hymas and um that's okay like you know he's gonna make the roster like they just drafted him so
1: right yeah i mean i i think just in general like if you have four or five people uh you know let's say four that can really be instant contributors like that's a successful draft right Yeah. if if neiman comes along kind of later in the year and is or is contributing on special teams or you know we see more from roundtree like then that's great you know but i think as of now they have three and a half to four and a half contributors depending on kind of which guys step up and which guys don't but um i'm pretty happy with the rookie class so far like tyler said yeah it's been so
2: exciting like we're we're so used to like this old school mentality where like rookies have to earn it rookies have to earn it and even like derwin james like i barely remember hearing like anything about him at training he camp. was hurt. Like, well okay that makes sense too but it, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're just used totally. to, like, you never yeah. hear about the rookies. Like, you you they've got to earn it. Like, you know, there's nothing about them, really, unless they're, like, really flashing and dominating. But, you know, these rookies are all getting opportunities to, to shine mm. in their mm-hmm. own kind of way. And, you know, the Chargers need that. Like, Mark Webb, you know, we've been so, I don't want to say worried, but kind of, you know, oh, skeptical of, <laughs> okay, we've been worried about the safety depth for, you know, all summer long. And, you know, until we saw, you know, Elohim Gilman and Mark Webb kind of step up, you know, that was going to be an issue, but it seems like, you know, Webb is really coming into his own. Um, And he really is being cross-trained apparently, you know, at, at deep safety at star in the slot and then money as that dime linebacker. So they have a plan for him and that's exciting. But uh like there was so much offensive line stuff like, Oh, the offensive line sucks. Like, Oh, and then, the first day of pass, man, <laughs> literally the first day of pass, Four reps. Slater goes boom, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And obviously, like, I wish I would have been there, and I wish I would have been able to see it, and I wish we could have seen some videos of that. But mm-hmm. the way that the beat writers framed it, man, it, it looked like Rashawn Slater was, like, truly dominant. And um, that's just so exciting. Like, the Chargers have been such just a, you know, offensive line, terrible state of mind, like, for the longest time. And, you know, this year, like it generally feels like it's going to be different this year uh, across the board for the team in general. But it's but specifically for the offensive line, like if Rashawn Slater plays at or close to his ceiling and Corey Lindsley plays at or close to his ceiling, that's a better situation than the Chargers have had just right there ever, since Nick Hardwick and Marcus McNeil. Like they truly have two players who are going to be above average at their position. And then if everybody else is just like solid above average, that's, you know, a top 15 to 18 offensive line right there. Of course, they've got to stay healthy, but you know, that fires me up. Like it really does talking about Rashawn Slater and reading Daniel Popper's article about him doing pass sets on the, on the family cruise, like that fired me (laughs) up that day. And then, you know, how lucky is Daniel Popper? He releases this great story Uh, about Rashawn Slater and then just perfectly times up with the first day of pads and Rashawn Slater looks dominant in practice. And then he's like, read my story, read my story. And so it just cracked me up. And and it fires me up talking about Rashawn Slater. Of course, everyone knows I'm an offensive line guy. But, you know, if Rashawn Slater is really playing at this kind of level already, like, you know, he's going to be good. Like, he's going to be that dude from day one. And, of course, we'll find out, you know, almost instantly instantly once he's gone, going up against Chase Young and company. But it's just exciting to me, man, in case you can't
1: tell. Uh, it's going to be different this year, but let's uh, bubble wrap Blaga's hand. Let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Brandon said he did say that it was just normal offensive
2: line stuff. So he probably got his one of his big fingers like stuck in a face mask or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Um, that's where you see those like. You know Brian Baldinger, like his his right ring finger is like Ugh. going oh. in the opposite direction, kind of thing. Oh, straight hands,
1: fingers are gross too.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is gross, but yeah, this rookie class, man, it's it's exciting, and I know there was a lot of speculation about everything on Twitter, but it really feels like it's coming together for this group. Hmm. Yeah. All right, is. so guys, any other thoughts before uh, we wrap up today's show?
1: Uh it depends if you want to talk about the running backs or not. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I kind of do want to talk about the running backs. Okay, Uh, let's talk about the running backs then. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah, no, we we've been talking about kind of that running back rotation and how that's gone for, you know, or how that was going to go, right? Whether they were gonna keep three, keep four. Um, so Tyler did cut Larry Brown tree in his latest roster projections. So, you know, uh thank you for taking uh (laughs) But I, I sort of do think we're at the point where I kind of do think they're going to keep all four running backs. Um, I know a lot of the beat writers have said Justin Jackson is the guy to cut because he's an impending free agent. But, like, I just think he's shown you too much uh, over, the, over the years and specifically in this training camp, you know, with some of that explosion he showed, just that, like, he's not cuttable, right? Like, Joshua Kelly cannot do what he does. Larry Roundtree, I don't think, can do what he does and so that's just kind of where we are with it um but to me and the risk of cutting larry roundtree or joshua kelly of course is that you know another team picks them up and then suddenly you know you wasted uh, a draft pick right particularly in the case of joshua kelly a pretty high fourth round pick that came after they uh traded up for kenneth murray so yeah um to me, I think it's going to be four. I know why people would predict it would be three either way. Steven cut Joshua Kelly. Uh, Tyler cut Larry Roundtree. But I'm going to be I'm going to be the running back centrist. How about they all have fun and they all make the roster?
2: <laughs> there you go. There you go. And Tyler did point out that Larry Roundtree is kind of, you know, rotating more so with Darius Bradwell, which is unfortunate. Right. I would like to see him get some more run, obviously, but. You know, I think if he's able to shine through in some preseason games and same thing for Joshua Kelly, like they'll make their case. But um, I think it's either they cut Kelly or they keep four. Like, I mean, Roundtree was a six round pick and I get that. But I mean, they did just draft him like and this coaching staff, like they have reportedly like shown throughout the stages, like they're going to keep whoever they think is the best player. But I have a hard time believing that they cut a player that they drafted this year. So if they do cut a running back, I do think it's going to be Kelly. But I think it it's more like that they keep all four. And I know that everybody's kind of frustrated with Justin Jackson's ability to stay healthy or, or lack thereof. But he's just like so much better than the other guys. And Joe Lombardi's comments were pretty telling. Like he was talking about Austin Eckler and, and how well-rounded he thinks Eckler is and how excited he is um, to coach him. And then he was like also, I, by the way, I feel the same way about Justin Jackson. Like, he went out of his way to make sure that everybody knows that they like Jackson and they like his ability to, you know, go out in routes and and make plays in the screen game like they do with Eckler. So I think those two will be a fun one-two punch. We saw – or we talked to Jeff Duncan about their, you know, 21 personnel, the pony package, about how they use two running backs. And you get Eckler and Jackson on the field at the same time, you get a lot of options, right? You can motion one of them to, like, fake a jet sweep and then run a wheel route. Other one runs, you know, kind of a flat route. Like you get some options there with that flexibility, and then we'll see what happens with like the kind of of physical back between Rattray and Kelly. But I mean, Jackson's making the roster; like he he's not getting cut.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I totally get some of the arguments for cutting him. I understand that, but you know, Justin Jackson compared to the two running backs, you know, Josh McCown and Caleb Balazs last year. Was better than them in yards after contact per attempt, missed tackles forced per attempt, breakaway percentage, yards per route run, as well as receiving yards, yards per reception, yards after the catch <clears throat> per reception, missed tackles forced as a receiver, and passer rating when targeted. So and, I like, don't understand significantly why. better too. Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, and granted, it was Kelly and Bellage Like I'm not saying that. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey here, but like he was significantly better in almost every category compared to those guys. And you can't just cut that guy. And to me. You know, when they're running their outside zone and that running back has to choose whether to bounce it outside or cut through the B gap or whatever. You know I think Jackson's running style, you know, to work this offense, obviously he's trying to run north, but they work horizontally before they cut north or before they go north in the run game. I think Jackson just suits that so much better than, you know, two yeah. guys that are just kind of three yards in a cloud of dust. And then you need that kind of guy. But, you know, I'm just like, if, if you need a short yardage guy, let's say you absolutely need a short yardage guy you got herbert you got neighbors like i do think you do have an opportunity to use those guys in some way but you don't need to keep four running backs to me it's just a giant waste and there are so many other players you know we didn't really talk about anderson much but i'd rather keep stephen anderson i'd rather keep that wide receiver six they might need to keep a seventh wide receiver considering all the injuries right now and i just don't see the use honestly in keeping both running backs and you know, even though they did just draft round tree a, you know, I've, I've said this a billion times already, but they've cut a running back before in the same season they drafted him. But also, mm. you know, to them, yeah, they just drafted him, but they could also look at it as, well, we, we, we retained eight rookies. You know, they have nine to pick from and getting all nine on the roster. How often do all nine make it anyway? Again, uh, sure. it's a new coach and there's Not a lot sure. of turnover, but there are like, if they cut round tree, they're still keeping eight and round tree was, I believe their second sixth round pick, right? So it's not even like he's their first six-round pick. So, you know, I just – I don't – I get it. Like, I, I could totally see how my roster prediction would change and that they wouldn't keep keeping Roundtree or both. I totally get that. But for right now, you're rotating with Darius Bradwell, who, you know, Anthony Lynn tried as hard as he could to make him something, and nothing <laughs> came of it, and he's still rotating with that guy. So, you know, we'll see. But for right now, I'm going to cut one of them, and based on the reps, it's Roundtree. Yeah. So I, I totally see kind of
1: what you're saying there. Right. And I totally agree. Like they do the similar things, right? Like Kelly is more comparable to right. Very similar players. And you could just say, you know, if if I have to cut one, like it, it would be one of those guys just because they're kind of redundant on the roster, I feel like together. Um, But, you know, the the alternative to that is, I think, Justin Jackson is a free agent after this year, right? So do you want to spend another draft pick on a running back next year? And then, of course, Justin Jackson's health, you know, as much as we don't want to talk about it, like, it is a thing, right? So if he does get hurt, would I rather have, you know, the next man up or, you know, trying to just kind of plan around that, right? Because if you cut Larry Roundtree or if you cut Joshua Kelly, then, like, I don't know, who's your fourth running back, like, Charming Pope? are we bringing him back, <laughs> or are we like, you know, trying to like kind of rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic a little bit, um, yeah. in, in that kind of scenario? So, I definitely see what both of you are saying. Uh, I did want to finish on these two topics just because I think Stephen forgot them, and I have to be a company man. Uh, the Chargers have sold 46,000 season tickets and Philip oh, Brokers yeah. come back or not come back. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I forgot that we,
2: you know, we <laughs> we mentioned we those in a separate text So i took the one <laughs> screenshot i forgot the second screenshot but in terms of the season tickets like it's fantastic news right it's that they're able to you know have their best month i think um in the release or, or whatever they they sent out into the the reporters they said that this month, may the may of 2021 was best ever in terms of season ticket sale so like that's ex- you know it, it of like fans showing up chargers fans showing up uh, you have to kind of wait and see but you know LA and Justin Herbert and Sofi Chargers as well they're running up like this is kind of why you know we never really talked to family thing and suit and stuff like that but you know this is why the Spanos family is not selling this team anytime soon like the the peak of the Chargers is right now like it's barely starting in terms of financial, like financially speaking. So um, good for them. Like, uh, you know, like I said, we'll have to wait and see if that turns into actual Chargers fans showing up. And and I know a lot of people are kind of scared for like the brokers and stuff like that, but I've said this before. I don't feel like the, the opposing fan turnout is going to be as bad. Obviously I think the Cowboys and the Steelers will be kind of bad, but I mean, they do that to every team. They don't do just right. do that to the LA teams. Like it's every team that they do that to. So Uh, But in general, I think that there will be a better Charger fan turnout this year. And I think that's that this season ticket sales is a sign of that.
3: Yeah, I honestly will be like, I'm glad the season ticket sales (laughs) are up. But who do they go to? If you told me exactly how many were Chargers fans, then there was it was, you know, better than normal. Great. But yeah, yeah, of course, people are going to buy season tickets to this thing. I mean, it's the greatest stadium in the country, maybe possibly the world. And it's in Los Angeles, California. Like people are going to want to pay to see this for business meetings, whatever it is. I'm actually kind of surprised they're not sold out to be honest, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. Um, But yeah, show up charges fans. I hope so. And as far as the rivers thing um, you know what I'd love for him to have like a dad gomit package on the team (laughs) where everybody (laughs) runs to the left, but then he keeps the ball and goes to the right and just loses five yards. Like I want him (laughs) in the league on the team doing that, but uh Alex, what do you think if if something happens to Hertz, he reunites with Sirianni at the Eagles? Ooh. Um
1: probably not, just because they have Flacco and Mullins there, so they'll probably take
3: Flacco's an Eagle? Yeah. yeah Flacco's, <laughs> a, Flacco's <laughs> there. well the, the Flacco's
2: Flacco, he like flat out said apparently that he's like I'm gonna mentor Jalen. It's
1: like
4: what are you there <laughs> for then? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think Flacco got uh he got really tired during the Lamar Jackson experience and now <laughs> he kind of has to do the same thing again. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say Philip Rivers is gonna be there. I I feel like Philip Rivers would kind of go to like a very specific situation. Like it would have to be, I don't know, like Tom Brady tears his ACL in like week eight. And, you know, they need some guy that like, you know, they know can carry them over like in that kind of way. Um, Obviously it doesn't have to be something that drastic, but it is like, okay, this quarterback is going to be out for the rest of the season. Right. So like, and this is still a playoff team. So let's try and get Phillip Rivers. Right. Like I think something like that could work. Um, But you know, it's, it's, it's tough with the salary cap because you, To come back he would basically kind of have to take like the minimum like as like backup and then just come in that way um you know he's not he's not getting you know 16 or 20 million or 25 like he got with the Colts uh in that last year so that's not gonna happen um as far as the season tickets thing I think it's good right just that they're having interest in the stadium and all that again like Tyler said we don't know how many of those people are like true Chargers fans, right? And how many people are just, you know, LA businessmen being like, hey, well, I can buy these tickets and then resell them, right? So that is that is the tough thing uh, with it. I actually, I've, I've tried to Google it while we were doing a show and I haven't been able to find an accurate Rams season tickets number. So that was what I wanted to know. Uh, I've seen in previous seasons, it's been 15 and 25,000, but they were obviously playing in um the, uh, yeah the LA Coliseum with those numbers so like you know the Chargers are playing in StubHub Center um which you know was fun for a while and then Dignity Health Sports Park uh but you know those days are those days are over so I think it's mostly excitement about the stadium obviously there is some herbert uh, excitement as we've seen at training camp so I do think this team is going in the right direction um as far as like the fan takeover thing that's just going to happen. Right. Like I, I feel yeah. like people have to prepare themselves for that because again, like the Chargers, Spanos, everybody in the organization has planned this as though it is a 15 or 20 year, you know, kind of project to get more fans in the building. Right. It, the yeah. the kids and everybody that's growing up right now, like that's who they want to become Chargers fans and, and people in LA. So, um, I think that's just has that just has to be the reality. But the fact that they've sold out a bunch of them, I think that's good. And hopefully, we don't see like you know an empty Chargers Bengals game. <laughs> you know, like that. That's kind of a, of that nature, or you know, some of the stuff that we also saw at StubHub with fan takeovers. I don't think it'll be as bad. Also, just because StubHub was a trash stadium. I mean, it was thirty. I mean, it was fun to to be there and like you know be close to the field. But you know, it's different right it was different and it was also limited seating right so you know if if a bunch of Raiders fans bought tickets right like there was no answer right and because like not a lot of Chargers fans had season tickets because it was the awkward transition phase so I think in general this uh this you know football stadium really just works out really well for them um but again we'll see how that progresses in the future with the Rams and how that kind of plays out with the city but I think it'll be uh, all right for the time being. And uh, you know what? I, I hope the Rivers comes back, you know, as a coach. I, I, I want him <laughs> to be, you know, some guy that works himself up in the NFL. I know he's coaching high school right now um, and, you know, that's what he likes doing and he's probably going to coach his kids uh, whenever he gets the chance to, but I'd like to see him, you know, be a coach in college one day or something like that. I feel like he'd be really good at that just with the type of personality he is. Yeah, well, uh, Chris Morton said and clarified today that he, like he is focused on
2: coaching his high right. school team. Um, so if he does come back to the NFL, it would have to be like after the high school season is over. So that would be like for really the home stretch. Like he, you know, he finishes coaching probably like around Thanksgiving, and then you know if, if disaster strikes for a team, you know they can reach out to him because that's how Rivers. Like you don't have to worry about him getting into shape or anything like that because well he can't move. So. <laughs> um, I would like. I would love to see him like be that like you know, you know, night that that saves the day kind of thing for a team. Like that would be really fun for his legacy. But also at the same time, like I think he should just move on. Like I, the last thing that I would want to see for him is like he coaches this high school team, signs with an NFL team, and then like they don't even make the playoffs or like you know they lose in the wild card. Like I, I think I, at that point I would just rather say stay retired, coach your football team, um, you know, and just kind of live out retirement. Like, I, I don't want this to be a, a dragged on situation. So while I would love to see Rivers play some more, um, you know, I think he probably should just move on at this point. I think if he wanted to really be in the NFL, then he he could have stayed with the Colts like the Colts wanted him, but he retired. So, um, you yeah, know, I, I love him. One of my favorite players of all time but I,
1: I think he needs to be done. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> really killed the mood at the end of the show. I mean. Sorry, man. I, I'm excited <laughs> to see what he
2: does as a coach. Yeah. Like I no, really absolutely. am. You know, he said that when he accepted that job as the head coach, he said that that was like his lifelong dream was to be a high school football coach. So I think being. I think he's going to be great at that. Like imagine playing for Phil Pervers, dude, like that would be so much fun. So
4: I hope he does great in that.
2: All right, guys, any other thoughts before we uh, actually wrap up today's show? Again, apologies for uh, skipping those, those last two segments. But uh, any other thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Philip Rivers is really a religious man at heart because uh, somehow the dream that he had was not the job where he made $20 million a year. <laughs> um, you know, so that would have been my dream. But uh, no. Nope, uh, I don't know. What are
3: they paying him in high school? I assume they oh. probably pay
1: him maybe six figures. I, I I can't imagine it's six figures. I mean, it's in like, I mean, maybe I, mean, I know football is religion in Alabama, so I, I yeah. don't know what he's getting. But you know, it, it's drastically more money to play in the NFL. But again, 100%. he really likes doing 100%. it. You know, he, he's not doing this for the money, right? Like he yeah. he has plenty of money to the point where he would never have to work again. But uh, yeah, that's just the that's just the shrewd businessman in me uh, that would <laughs> like that money. So <laughs> yeah.
3: Tyler, any thoughts, man? No, I just realized our audio version is gonna be an hour and a half long. So if you're still here, <laughs> kudos. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, I I just do have some things to
1: chill. Uh, I've been writing for Boltbeat, like I said, and I if you if you feel like you haven't gotten enough of me on this podcast, I actually made an appearance on another podcast. So you can check you that go. out uh, on the Six or Sense Podcast. So you can listen to that on all podcast platforms and open up other apps and do all that shit, whatever, um, you know, but I feel like you've had enough of me here, so don't do that, actually.
2: Well, I know there, <laughs> I know there are, are at least two 76ers fans besides you that listen to this podcast, so uh-huh. uh, the two of you definitely go check out Alex's on the, the 76ers <laughs> podcast. Two downloads, um, baby! There we go. <laughs> but that's going to do it for us today, guys. We've got some fun uh episodes coming up. We're going to start our AFC West preview series, so we're going to try and get some uh, podcasters or reporters to come on from those teams um and you know kind of discuss the state of the division which i'm really excited about um and then uh yeah we'll have some more training camp coverage this weekend tyler is going to be in attendance uh this weekend for some practices as well as fan fest uh wish i could be there but unfortunately money does not grow on trees around here so uh hope everyone that goes to fan fest has a great time coach city said that they're gonna have like you know, full on scrimmage going. So um, that's going to be exciting. Hopefully all the chargers players stay healthy, get some bubble wrap under those pads or something and uh, stay safe. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Again, make sure and leave us a rating or a view on the podcast platforms and subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Thank you. We'll see you next time.